0: Welcome to the Ventura Lighthouse 805 podcast. We hope you enjoy this message on living out your faith. Well, good morning. It is good to see you all. Thank you also for everyone who's listening online. Last week, we had church at the beach. Uh, we did baptisms. We, we finished out our camp sermon series. Um, that was, that was uh, the most memorable baptisms I will ever have. It was awesome. It was raining and it was uh, fun and cold, and then right as we go into baptisms, uh, it seems like the sun just burst out of the sky, and we all got sunburned. Well, most of us got sunburns because uh, I didn't really think to bring sunscreen because it was raining when we got there. I, I didn't get sunburned. You didn't get sunburned. Thanks, Craig, for rubbing it in. Appreciate it. Uh, but we have we have two weeks to go right now before we jump into our next series entitled Hive. Hive. We're looking at the life of bees, a, a bee's nest, if you will. Uh, starts in a couple weeks, but for today, we're speaking on a um, a Holy Spirit inspired message entitled "Living Out Your Faith." This is primarily Acts chapter six, eight through ten. So, if you have your Bibles, open up, and if you don't, go ahead and look at the screen. It says Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. There's really three things happening in here in this story. And it's all about Stephen living out his faith. It, it's boiled down to three basic concepts. It's what you see, what you hear, and what you say. It's kind of the aspects of living out your faith. And I absolutely love what Stephen did. And, and I really wanted to bring out what is happening here in kind of a methodology for us to understand how to live out our own faith. It's not that we go and find this radical group and start protesting against them and, and saying, you're wrong, I'm right. That's, that's not what's happening here. But what it comes down to is, first off, it's, it's what you see. Number one, what you see. Um, in living out our faith, I remember I was, I w- just turned 18, and for some reason I instantly got qualified to be a uh, group cabin leader. Um, at camp. <laughs> that was the criteria back in the day. When's your birthday? You're good. <laughs> you got all the training you need. You're kind of an adult. And I remember going to camp and I, and I remember at one point I arrived and the youth pastor was like, man, I called everyone who was over 18 and you were the one that said yes. And I was like, I'll take that as a compliment. I know I shouldn't, but I'll, I'll take it. And I remember going and we were, we were at camp and for whatever reason, I was assigned the cabin with like all the troublemaker kids. All the rest were like pleasant yeah. and nice. I was just like, they're like, you're young, you can deal with it. Yeah. It's, it's back then camp was um, seven, di- seven nights, yeah. okay? So that was, <laughs> pray for my past. It was difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember uh, there was one kid that was just like, you know, he's just, you know, he's a special kid, right? You look back and you're like, I'm glad I endured that and I made it out. But I remember at that moment in the camp, I was like, this kid, he, he just, like, his mama just needs to slap him. Something needs to happen with this child. And I remember sitting there, and it was, a, you know, one of the night sessions that were happening. And then I felt just the Holy Spirit nudge me, saying, go pray for him over depression and violence. And I was like, kind of like one of those moments of, like, okay, I think that was God. And it was, it was one of those moments where, I, don't, I didn't know how to approach. I didn't know what to do. All I had in my arsenal was Jesus loves me. This I know. And that was, that was the extent of my <laughs> theology, my methodology. And I was like, so I got to figure out how to do this. I think I've been given this task. You know, there's hundreds of kids running around. It's going to look awkward if I walk up to him and then he punches me because he's bigger than me. And so I'm like, I'm sitting there and it, at this camp, it was, uh, this is Oregon, so everything's indoors. There's not walking to cabins. It's one cabin and it's a hallway and all the little cabins are off the side, right? So I'm standing in there and it's right after night session and everyone's hopped up on, on, on all the cookies and marshmallows that everyone's eating and energy is flowing, right? And I'm, I'm sitting there and there's just hundreds of guys screaming and running. I'm standing in the hallway. I'm like, okay, God, you told me to tell this kid this and pray for him, and I felt I need to pray for him and ask him to accept Jesus, and his life's going to change. And I'm sitting in this hallway, and it's just chaos. And I'm like, "All right, God, if you if this is true, and this is you, um, just make all the kids disappear except for that one kid." And I, j- I just said that, like that was just my prayer. And I think I said it out loud because I could barely hear myself think. I said it, and all of a sudden, just kids started running into the rooms, and doors started closing. And all of a sudden, the kid was just left in the hallway, like looking around, like what just happened. And I was like that worked. <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, oh, okay, so this is of God, and I need to follow through now because I just told God to do this, and he did it. And so I walked up to the kennel. I was like, hey, I need to pray for you for this, and you want to accept Jesus. And he looked at me like, how do you know these? Like I was like reading his, like everything inside of him, and he's like, this, this is my secret, you know, and God showed up. It's really interesting what we see and it's it's all situational and it's all based on our skill sets so Stephen's skill set is going around performing miracles he's the guy who's walking through the city doing things that are crazy you know that that's not really my skill set i do things a little bit differently and god utilizes that greatly in my life and that's something we have to wrestle with in our faith is how do i step out in my faith actions that god is teaching me and and working with me and so acts 6 8 one more time says, so Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. One thing I love about these stories is it doesn't say how he did it, or else we try to just copy that, right? If, if every miracle took place the exact same way, I guarantee you there'd be people running around doing those exact same things. That's why it just says he did things and God helped. And it's like, figure it out. God's going to teach you to do things, and it's going to be your own things because you have a special relation with God. So, the first thing that talks about it says, a man full of God's grace. When we live out our faith, the first thing we have to have is God's grace. We all have to have it. God's grace is, is literally the grace of God. It's the salvation, it's everything. It's God saying, I have reached down and you have accepted me as your Lord and I am covering you and I am loving you and I everything about we're in relationship now. You gotta have that. You don't just go rogue and say, you know what, I'll figure out the grace thing later. I just wanna do crazy miracles and get on TV. That's not how it works. You need God's grace. And the second thing I love is it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace, <clears throat> notice the key word is full of, not just partially, not just kind of like I'm wrestling with my faith, I'm kind of nervous that God's real, God's not real. That's not, it's saying he's, he's full of God's grace. He fully knows that God has saved him. But it says, the second part, full of God's grace and power. Do you know the, the B? It's God's power. You have to have God's power. But do you know the Greek word here? It's kind of of a funky word to throw out in this statement. Do you know that the Greek word is dynamis? It's where we get the word dynamite. The explosive, unbridled power that sits within. And God's saying, to live out your faith, you have to have God's grace and God's power behind you. And I love it because Dynamite is actually the perfect example. Is, uh, has anyone um, played with dynamite before, just out of curiosity? No? Okay. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> dynamite, if you look at it, we all know the basic premise. There is stuff explosive on the inside, and there's paper wrapping on the outside. The paper is not explosive whatsoever, but it just encases the explosiveness on the inside. The paper is us. We are the vessel, and God is the full authority and power that is within us. And sometimes when we try to perform signs and miracles and wonders and try to do these crazy things, we have the expectation, oh, I'm doing this. <laughs> no, you're, you're the paper that's just encapsulating the rest of it. You're just, you're just holding the stuff together. All you're doing is transporting God's power to the situation. That's all you do. You're the paper. (laughs) God's power. The the third aspect, I I absolutely love it. Again, the verse, one more time, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. The third aspect is what you bring to the table it's your faith actions. See, the first two, God brings to the table, but the last aspect, you have to do it. See, if you're full of grace and authority, grace and dynamite, if you will, it does nothing if you're not in the situation. It does nothing if you don't show up. It does nothing if the, if the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you, you see someone that you need to pray over. It, that power and authority that you wield does nothing if you don't show up. It can't get there. Dynamite, when transported, you don't leave the paper behind and transport the chemical stuff that explodes to the job site. They both have to go together. The same with our our faith action. You have to carry the full authority of God with you into every situation. Don't leave it behind. The second thing, living out our faith is what we hear. Now, this is kind of a unique uh, look on it because its I I would say in every church, including ours ever, we always talk about we have to hear. We have to hear God's word. We have to hear this, and we have to apply it, blah, blah, blah. But what happens when you go in a situation all you hear is the bad things from other people? That really tears down your faith. It's like, uh, now I don't want to do this. You know? It's like it's awkward when when everyone else weighs in on on opinionating your life out, and then all of a sudden you're like, you you started here, and then you just slowly get torn down, and what's harmful is oftentimes the people that tear you down are your biggest loved ones, right. and it's like, oh well, we can't do that, we can't do that, we can't do oh, I guess we're not going to do anything, and it's like, ugh, fizzle out. Number two, what we hear, and this was evident in the story too, because all of a sudden people showed up to go talk about him and to him about how wrong he is. They started trying to tear down his entire thing that he was doing with God's power. Acts chapter 6 verse 9 says, But one day some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Sicilia, and the province of Asia. Do you know what's interesting about listing out, It didn't just say other people started to debate with them. They listed out, like, who they were and where they came from. Why is that important? Well, let's find out. A, no facts but need truth. No facts but need truth. Write it down I'll explain it in a second. These people are frustrated beyond anything because they came from the same place as Stephen. They have the same origin, the same location. No, notice how, I love this, I'm jumping to part B, but that's okay, we'll get to it. Notice how it says, the synagogue of freed slaves. That's kind of a dagger inside of, inside of Stephen right there, and, it's, and we, wouldn't even, we wouldn't catch it, because we're not part of this culture. But Stephen and them were all slaves. And when Jesus came, he said, I am freeing you. And then all of a sudden, Stephen starts preaching on being a slave of Christ, being a servant of Christ. And they're like, hey, if remember when we, got slay- when we got freed? We're no longer slaves, but you got freed into another form of slavery. And they're trying to break down Stephen, break his heart, just saying, listen, what you try to achieve is just a lie. And now you're back into another form of slavery. You're now back into being a servant again and you're doing it happy, you're so dumb. <laughs> they're, they're trying to tear him down because they came from the same place as him, and they're still frustrated, and he's not, and they don't get it. So they, they make it their point to try to tear him down so he is as frustrated as they are because sometimes it's easier to try to make other people more miserable than try to make yourself happy, and that's what their MO has become. So, A, no facts, but need truth. So these people know the facts. their facts, if you will. Oh, um, Stephen is still a slave. Oh, Stephen is still doing this. They have all these facts and rumors that other people have said, and they're, they're basing everything they believe in on these facts that are just hearsay. But in reality, they need the truth of Jesus. And sometimes, when people try to tear us down, they have some facts that are usually wrong, yeah. but they need the truth. And that's where we come in, to enlighten them and give them the truth of what's happening rather than just another fact. And, and can, we, can we flip the coins just a little bit? Sometimes we tear down people because we have our own facts, but they are severely wrong. It's, it, the shoe goes on both ways, guys. There's been so many times I've been, I've been angry, upset with someone, and then I find out the truth, and I'm like, ah. Oh ouch, that hurt. I was so wrong, but I thought I was so right. Be humble enough to realize when you're holding on to a fact, but you need the truth. B, same history as you. <clears throat> this is uh, what I was alluding to. These people had the exact same history as Stephen, and they were frustrated that they're like, hey, we're free, but we're still angry. <laughs> Stephen, was freed, and now he became another slave, but he's happy. I'm just going to be so angry right now and just throw chairs. You know, they're just, they're just upset. So sometimes in our family, in our relationships, in our workplaces, and in all the places that we, we, people we love and cherish, they might have the exact same history as us in that workplace or in that family, but they're more frustrated because they don't have what you have yet. And rather than becoming an opposition, you need to look at that's your mission base. It's like, I'm not here to attack you. I'm here to love on you. You're, you're going to be angry and throw insults at me, but that's okay. You'll regret it one day. It's just lit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever gets you through. No, just... C, jealous of you, jealous of you. People will come frustrated and try to tear you down because they're just jealous of you. I was telling uh, David this morning um, with the Ten Commandments, um, in, in Hebrew culture and Hebrew writing, did you know that whenever there was laws put in place, it was always concluded with a blessing by God? Every, every time. In Hebrew, it, it was, that was the tradition. It would give laws and it would end with cursings and blessings. And with the Ten Commandments, the interesting thing about it is the Tenth Commandment is actually not a law, but it's a blessing of God. Everyone's like, what's the Tenth Commandment? (laughs) It's thou shalt not envy thy neighbor. If you live out the the first nine commandments, you won't sit there envying everyone else because you will love the life that God has blessed you with. You know, that's not, it's not a lie. You're supposed to go, I will not envy. No, that's actually a blessing. I'm not going to crave what everyone else has because I know what God gave me, what he purposed in my life to have. It's what you hear. And when you find yourself jealous of other people, you need to check your heart and understand why are you actually jealous of them? Maybe it's because you don't understand how to live your own faith out and you're frustrated that other people's faith is living out. Number three, what you say. That song just popped in my head. Mm, What you say? Okay. Uh, Number three, what you say. Acts chapter 6 verse 10. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. None of them could stand against the wisdom and spirit with which Stephen spoke. You know I love a verse that has three points already built into it. I <laughs> love it. A, what you say, it's God's wisdom. Whenever you speak, this scripture, this verse, gives three sub-points of how we speak with the faith of God. The first thing you have to have is, is wisdom. And this, I love this, this uh this Greek word is Sophia. It's wisdom from man and wisdom from God mixed together. Isn't that interesting? What wisdom do I even have to offer? What wisdom do I can, can even put a candle to what God's wisdom has? You have the wisdom of relationship, how to speak to someone so they'll receive it. You have the wisdom of when to say something and when not to say something. And God's wisdom will give you that divine moment, that divine thing that you need to usher out through the Holy Spirit. And B in the verse, it says, God's Spirit. None can stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. The second aspect here, spirit, that's literally just God's spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Just defines it. When you go to speak, when you have faith that you're living out and you're using your words you need to rely on what the Holy Spirit is whispering inside of you to say. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll have this nudge moment. When I was 18, I felt this nudge moment to speak on depression and salvation and violence, and, and that was what I brought out, and I was like, hey, I, I need to pray for you over these things, and the kid was like, uh, like, he was just so shocked. He's like, uh, okay, like, how do you know that? Because the Holy Spirit spoke about it. All of a sudden, you'll, you'll start the quieter you can get your mind and, the, and when you get into situations saying, God, I have faith that I will say whatever you say, you'll have these whisper moments and it'll kind of sound like, almost like a, a your consciousness will be spe- speaking to you, but it's the Holy Spirit. And the more times you experience this, the more times you'll start seeing your faith come into action and just say, I'm going to speak this no matter what. It's, it's one of the coolest things. And the last aspect, your faith words. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. Stephen spoke. God didn't part the skies, didn't send down a dove, he didn't have a camel start talking. Literally, Stephen opened up his mouth. This is just a mirrored statement from point number one, but it's actually your actions. You have to utilize your lips to get the spirit of God to come out of it. God will do everything else. He just relies on you to open your mouth. Isn't that crazy? The last aspect of faith relies on us just opening our mouth. God, I hope you're showing up right now. I'm going to open my mouth and start talking. Do you you know how many times I've I've been where I felt I was supposed to pray for someone, and I'll walk up and I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to pray for you, and they're like, "On, on what? and I'm like, I was just told I was supposed to pray. I'm going to start praying. I don't have anything yet. And then all of a sudden, God will start speaking as I pray, and I'm like, phew, I'm glad he showed up. (laughs) But it's, it's, do you have the audacity to say, I'm going to do it even if I don't understand it, God? And I think those are the things that God is like, yes, that's what I look for. Just to say yes, and you don't even know it yet. You don't have A, B, C, or D. You just have Z, and you're going to show up and hope the rest fit in there. My... My boss from work, um, she said, she's like, our team is so new, it's like we're riding a bicycle and building at the same time. And I took that apart and I was like, that's that's what faith is. It's like, I'm just going to start riding this bicycle that's half built and start building as I go along. I don't need the whole bicycle functioning first. I'm just going to go for it. And God's going to help me finish this out. That's, that's, that's what God and faith is all about, living out our faith. Let's pray. Lord, I, I pray today that we all at some point have encountered you, and it's easy to obtain faith, God, but it's another level to live out that faith. I pray today for a, a boldness, if you will, God, that we would understand that you're sending divine encounters every single day in our lives, and it's up to us to step out into faith. It's up to us to say, you know what, God? I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to obey. Lord, I I pray that you would give each of us just such a blatantly obvious faith step this week, and we, we would go after it. And if we fail it, send us another one, God. Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in again. For other episodes, more info about us and opportunities to give, visit us at lighthouse805.com.